1: is RS1, part of the Radio
3: Show Limited Network.
0: G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now,
4: here's the show's host with the most, Tony Shabeki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you so much for joining us. Another big show coming your way. We're going to speak to a guy who, well, is part of a very special family, the AAA family. Cameron Hill got accepted into that a week or so ago. We'll talk to him about that move and also what will be happening with uh, Cameron Hill Racing and uh, the cars that they currently have in Porsche Cup and Formula Ford. Dale Rogers will be here shortly to wrap up all the F1 news from us, from what was an exciting weekend in Brazil, a very special win to Lewis Hamilton. And we'll wrap up all the supercars news with Richard Crail and Mark Walker a little bit later on as well. But firstly, some big news. And as we go to air, so does the press release go out into the ether that... The Bathurst 12 Hour is on and as big as ever. And to tell us all about it, Richard Crowell joins us here in the newsroom. Hello, Richard. Uh, it's nice to be
0: joining you this early in the show, to be honest with you, Shebex. Um, it doesn't happen too often. No, it doesn't. I like it. And w- we've got news. We've well, we have We
4: apologise to everyone who yes. expected our podcast to drop yesterday. But as has well, been the case in the last two months, we knew something was brewing. Yeah. And yep. we didn't know what until you got a phone call yesterday.
0: Yeah. And so we're now, as we talk, it's Thursday morning Australian time. Um, and the news, when this goes live, the news will be out that the Liquor Moly Bathurst 12 hour is back next year on the 25th, 26th and 27th of February at Mount Panorama, which is incredible news. It's been speculated about for a while, but we can lock it in a hundred percent that, the 12 hour will return after a a year's absence due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But you're right. For those that follow the show and understand our pain, we normally record on a Tuesday night. Now the rest of the show has already been recorded on a Tuesday night, but we've decided for these unprecedented times in which we live to hold the show for two days. So we can get this news in at the top because it came to us on Wednesday that this was, um, that this was coming out. So, Look, it's in all seriousness, aside from our news breaking efforts being utterly atrocious and us finally getting one back for the good guys. <laughs> um, it's great news, isn't it? Like this. Well, it this is good
4: news because it signifies the start of a normal racing year here in Australia. Mm. I mean, the last few years has always started with the Bathurst 12 hour and everything else has flowed on really nicely from that. So what it does is it starts to bring some normality back into our racing calendar. Yeah,
0: it does. And, and it, And it commits to one of the best events in Australia. Now I'm incredibly biased for those that know I've had an involvement in the Bathurst 12 hour since it came back in 2007 and headed up the comms since 2011 and obviously called every one of them. And it's a very, very special race for me personally, but I think it's a very special race for Australian motor racing on the global landscape. Now, in terms of its stature, it's international reach the audience that tunes in, Um, and the effect it has on manufacturers that come and compete. Because remember back to 2020, which feels like a 1,000 years ago now, but the last major international event pretty much in Australia, I think the Women's World Cup T20 final was after that. But aside from that, probably the last major international event held in Australia prior to the pandemic. And the scenes of Bentley winning. Bentley have been racing for 100 years, and they said after the race it was one of the most significant victories in their history. winning bathurst so that that's what the race means it means a lot of things to a lot of different people um to walk you through the timeline of how this date has evolved um lots of controversy a couple of weeks ago when sro who basically run gt3 racing around the world and who have a an involvement in the bathurst 12 hour via the intercontinental gt challenge um, they announced a date in march for the event um that date clashed with the Sebring 12 hour and the Sebring IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship event uh, and WEC World Endurance Championship event, I should say, yeah. in Florida. Um, and, and while you might go, oh, well, it clashes with the World Championship and the American Sports Car Championship, why does that matter? It's like, well, most of the brands that run in Intercontinental GT Challenge field cars in those series and all of their gun go to drivers will be at Sebring. So if you're a Porsche, and you've got Matt Campbell on the books, you want him in WEC at Sebring, not at the Bathurst 12-hour, but you yeah. want him to be able to do both. So there was that issue aside. There were media issues. The, the international side of it was bigger. Did it fit better with the Australian calendar? Maybe. Maybe. That's maybe why they wanted it that date. But um, but I think this this February date, it's, it's a couple of weeks later than it usually is in early February, but I think it works Really well from an Aussie calendar point of view. What a way to start the year, Shebex, To we'll go from Bathurst twelve hour. The week later will be the Newcastle five hundred, and mm. um, that amazing straight circuit. New South Wales contribute an enormous amount to the motorsport economy in terms of supporting major events. So that's going to be really good for the state. It's going to be a great two week road trip. I'm going yeah. straight to <laughs> I'm going straight to Newcastle. I'm yeah, going I'm to go home. To. Yeah, just pop straight across and have some time on the in the Hunter, I, and then. Go down like quarry, see the, all the sites around there, and rock into Newcastle on the Thursday to go car racing again.
4: You might actually find that the Hunter is comparable to the Barossa. That's a big call.
0: jeez. Mm. Nothing is comparable to the Barossa no. Valley, Tony Shabeki. So, look, well, I've got You're extremely biased. Oh, completely and utterly. <laughs> um, almost say corrupt when it comes to the Barossa Valley. <laughs> um, I mean, they just built a brewery down my street for crying yeah, out loud. Right, um, so, look. I think it's incredible news, Shebex. I'm so personally pleased that this event is back. Professionally, yes, from my business side of things, it's amazing to be able to work on it again, which is awesome. But um, just for the sport, it's so good to have this certainty. And now we find out who comes. Yeah. Now we get to play the game of, okay, well, what, how's it going to work? Yes, international borders are open. They're getting better. There's some international drivers running at Eastern Creek this weekend in S5000, which is sensational. So we've already proved that overseas drivers can get in. By February next year, it's going to be even better. Um, will it be as big a field as it was almost two years ago? I don't know. Possibly not due to the, the late lead time. The, the other thing to remember, Chevex is that this event, the process for it normally kicks off in July. So as we talk, it's the 18th of November. Yeah. So they're four months behind, if not more, in the whole process of teams and drivers committing and having it in their mind and getting it ready to go. So there's, it's going to be compromised for another year. And I don't think that's talking it down. I think that's just a reality of the world we live in. But um, the fact that it's back, the fact there's some certainty, the fact that it's going to happen is the best possible outcome. Yeah. Um, and I have no doubt that it will be another absolute classic.
4: All right, beautiful stuff. There you go. The Bathurst 12 Hour back on the cards, late February, and we'll be talking about it heaps right here on the grid. Good on you, Crowley. Uh You go and have some breakfast, and then we'll throw you in a time machine and put you back two days. We'll talk in the past a little yes. bit later in the show. We will. i
0: just. We've got news on the show that we're breaking. It's amazing, isn't it? This is, it is this is a first for build. us. Is Especially
4: that news too. It's great news. You watch about.
0: it's It's 8, 11 a.m. on Thursday morning as we talk right now recording this show. There, there's going to be some form of major news at midday today, isn't there? Before this goes no live. No yeah. doubt. But yeah. we're not holding back. This is no. it. This is no. the show. What you are much, hearing 12 now, hour
4: is much more important. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you are hearing this show now, it's because I'm too lazy to do anything else about it. Yep. Yep. No, that's uh, I get that completely. I'll see well, you later in the yeah, past. Look forward to it, mate. Tomorrow in the show in the next About hour. 40 minutes' time. Not even, Ma- mate. Magic. I look forward yeah. to that. All right. Good on you, mate. Richard yeah. Crowell joining us here. Let's head off to our good friend Dale
3: Rogers to bring us up to date with what's happened in the world of Formula One. Dale. Thanks, Tony. And Lewis Hamilton may have just delivered the finest performance of his stellar career. The seven-time world champ put on a masterclass, demolishing the field and taking out uh, a great victory against his rival, Maximus, uh, stepping in a thrilling duel. It, uh, it seemed the crowd, always up and about in Brazil, had adopted Hamilton as their own on the weekend, with wild cheering reminiscent more of a Brazilian soccer match than a Formula One race. But Hamilton was not gifted anything in Brazil. He took a new ICE unit, dropping him five grid spots after qualifying and the sprint on Saturday. That was a given, but he was then disqualified from Friday qualifying. So to explain, Hamilton's Mercedes was found to have breached Article 3.63 of the technical regs, which states the DRS flaps can open up to eighty five mil. scrutineers found that they could push an eighty five mil gauge through the flap at the edges of the wing, which meant the car failed the test. Mercedes argued that the wing was designed to meet regulations and the centre section of the DRS flap did, so the test failure was a result of fault of inaccurate assembly. The team also said that the gauge would only pass through when scrutinies pushed it, and that the gap was within the limit when the force wasn't used. But the weird finale to this story was Max Verstappen poking the rear wing after qualifying as if to suggest it was illegal and copping a €50,000 fine for touching Mercedes in Parc Ferme. Hamilton lined up last for the 24-lap F1 sprint on Saturday and carved his way through to fifth. Then taking his five-spot grid drop would line up tenth for the main race. He was up to P5 in the race by lap two and was charging. A huge battle ensued when he caught lead of Verstappen on lap 48, only to be escorted off the track at turn four by the Red Bull. The FIA stewards called play on and he tried again a few laps later, finally grabbing the lead on lap 59, streaking away to win by over 10 seconds. Uh, uh, there were other counters running in the Sao Paulo like Grand Prix, but frankly they may well have stayed in the garages. So, So was the focus on Hamilton and Verstappen. So now, Tony, we head to Qatar a favourite of MotoGP and Saudi Arabia for two brand new tracks for F1. This battle may well go down to the wire. Back to you in the studio, Tom.
4: Alright, catching up with Cameron Hill. First of all, Cameron, congratulations on the great news. The deal with 888 for next year is a fantastic deal to get.
2: Yeah, thanks mate. Um, I'm very much looking forward to um, starting with the team next year and you know taking on a new challenge. I um, haven't driven a supercar yet, so um, I'm looking forward to the ch- uh, yeah, get my hands behind the wheel. It's going to be a totally different deal for you, isn't it? You've been in charge of your
4: own destiny for such a long time through Cameron Hill Racing. Now all of a sudden, you're racing for someone else.
2: Yeah, it's a big shift. Um, like you said, I've been sort of we've been running our own team for my whole career through Formula Ford, Toyota 86, and even Porsche Carrera Cup. So, um, I'm actually looking forward to the shift. Um, probably just it might give me a bit more bandwidth to actually just focus purely on driving uh, rather than stressing about. Um, all the other things that go along with the race weekend, so um, I think it'll only be a benefit. Part
4: of a two-car development series, a Dunlop series uh, team in that development series, so uh, that's nice. You, you've got you're going to have a teammate, I suppose, that's going to help you with data and the like.
2: Yeah, obviously, having a teammate's always great to be able to bounce things off and compare data because you know. We'll always be doing something different, and you know you can learn off each other. But the other great thing about um, the whole Triple Eight environment is obviously having access to their main game guys and the engineers. Obviously Shane, uh, Brock next year, and they'll have historical data from Jamie in those cars. So you know that will be really, really useful. And hopefully I'll be able to just feed off that to get myself on the pace. You talk about the challenge ahead for you. What about the challenge ahead for Brock? Uh, amazing start for him, isn't it? Oh, I mean, for Brock, it must be just super exciting to be probably in one of the best seats uh, in the main game um, and to follow in the footsteps of you know a legend, which is Jamie Winkup. So um, I think we'll all be watching him with um, eagerness to sort of see how he does. Speaking of Jamie, he's going to be the boss next
4: year. Uh, you've probably known him for a while. Do you think we're going to see much change in Jamie from driver to boss?
2: Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh... I think um, you know he's when it comes to motorsport and racing, he's got a very high racing IQ. And so, um, when I was talking to him on the weekend at Eastern Creek, we were just d- discussing the tyre strategy, and you could see he had a light bulb moment. And um, you know, I think he's um, always in that um, mindset of how can you know we get the best results. And so, to have a guy like him in our corner, um, I think it's only going to be a valuable uh, asset.
4: <laughs> the great thing for you is also pretty much guarantees you an enduro drive with Triple Eight, which isn't a bad thing.
2: Oh, we haven't got that far. Okay. Um, we don't know what the uh, enduro lineup will be. Um, obviously, if I can do a good job on track, um, hopefully it does lead to opportunity um, to race at Bathurst. You've got a couple of guys you've got to knock out, though, don't you? Garth Tander, who's been there for
4: a couple of years now and done such a great job with Shane. And we believe that Jamie's probably still going to take the other
2: one. Yeah then there's Craig Lowndes after so there's a few ahead isn't there yeah it's a it's a very stacked roster uh and I'm coming in as the rookie but um look we'll just see how the year plays out um you know there's rumors about you know them running a third car again next year so uh, there might be opportunity there um but I'm just sort of focusing on the rest of this year I've still got two more crow Cup rounds and then I'll you know switch my attention to, to next year and running uh Super two.
4: And I'll switch my attention to those Carrera Cup rounds because they're pretty exciting for you. There's so many points available, and the championship pretty much up for grabs this year. Uh, we go to Bathurst on
2: at the start of December, and then pretty much straight away to uh, the Bend after it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty packed schedule for us. Um, we're going to have two rounds at Bathurst, followed by another round at and Bend a week later. So. Um, it's going to come down to who's the most prepared, um, who who's coming into the event um, with all their ducks in a row. So I'm feeling pretty confident. Um, you know, we've rolled out of the truck really strong at every round, um, and Bathurst and & Bend are, are both tracks that I really enjoy, and I think we've got a strong package. So. Um, we're in a nice, healthy position where we've got a good points buffer, and so it's just about being um, smart and scoring good points. Bathurst is a tough one, isn't it? As you said, two rounds of Bathurst. You don't want to mess the car up in round
4: one because you're going to miss out on a, on a great opportunity.
2: Exactly. So you do have to drive with that in mind. Um, you know, obviously, you can't control um, everything, um, but I think you know, we'll be doing our best to, to qualify well and then um, obviously manage the race. Um, Obviously, the the safest place is probably in the lead, Um, so that's what we'll be aiming for.
4: Your Carrera Cup car from this year will head down to the Cup Challenge next year. Obviously, the new cars are coming in for Carrera Cup next year. Thomas Sargent's been locked in for that role, which is fantastic for him. He's showing so much promise in the Formula Ford Australia National Series.
2: Yeah, it'll be really exciting to run Tom next year in our team, CHE Racing. in my current Carrera Cup car, um, I think it's going to be a good step for him. You know, I know how big the step was to to, to go to Carrera Cup. You know, I wish I had you know 12 months in that sort of intermediate category. Um, you know, you can do a lot of your learning, making mistakes, um, and then when you do arrive in you know Carrera Cup, uh, you'll you'll be prepared and um, you know you'll look good straight away. So I think it's a good step for him. You know, obviously we've got a pretty good. Package and a lot of data and setup information there for him. So, um, hopefully, he can hit the ground running and get some good results.
4: And with Thomas moving out of the Formula 14,
2: that gives an opportunity for another great youngster to come through and hopefully take the seat. Exactly. Um, you know, it's looking like Formula Ford's going to have a really strong season um, next year. There's not many cars on the market because I think a lot of people are um, getting ready to, to have a good uh, attack on it. And yeah, for us, um, we're looking to sort of fill a couple of seats um, and, you know, sort of continue the form. Obviously, we've got Noah Sands, who's been with us for a year now, and, and he's definitely um, on his way up. So we're looking to obviously attack the National Series with him next year. And I think we'll have a few other drivers joining us as well. i love
4: to see a girl come into the Championship. Any chance? It's possible.
2: Yeah. Uh, watch this space. Um, hopefully we can try put something together soon. Oh, beautiful.
4: Mate, congratulations once again on the deal. Good luck for the remainder of the Carrera Cup season and the Formula Ford season with your team as well. And uh, we'll hopefully catch you up in Bathurst. Yeah, geez, mate. Sounds good. Richard Crowell, talk.com. Hello, Crowellsy. Tony Shabeki, how are you? I'm marvellous, thank you. Uh, Mark Walker, hello to you. Tony Shabeki, question for you. Where do yep. we start? Where do we start? Uh, well, we can start by saying that I finally went to a racetrack. Oh, good on you. I think it was the first time since the failed Grand Prix of 2020. Oh, bloody hell, really? Yeah, I haven't been on a racetrack since.
0: Wow. Well, you, you've you won or lost. I'm not sure that, uh, that little record among the team TRT people. Wow.
4: Yeah. So that's a, that's the best part of 18 months. Yeah, it is. It sure is. And I picked Winton, which rained for three days and it was freezing. Who would have thought that it'd still be five degrees in Winton in November? Oh, well, Have they right. had snow down Snowed. to like eight hundred meters, or? Yes. <laughs> oh boy, it was wet. It was wet, but uh, a nice weekend doing some work for Formula Ford Australia, and uh, they had the they had the uh, TA a couple of TA 2s there as well as the Thunder Sport cars. It was a uh, it was a oh what's low key? Oh, God, I've just gone absolutely blank. The XL was yeah. an XL weekend uh, two minute XL races. Mm, yeah. Fantastic! Look like a world
1: championship there, the 46,
4: Forty-six cars on the track at once. Yeah,
1: yeah. it was, was Barcelona family. There was uh, yeah, there was absolutely. Steve Richards shortfalls. was there. Yep. Steve Richards was there.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a Grice I think running. Yes, as there well. was. It wasn't yeah. There. Yeah. yeah, So no, it's uh oh, XLS the greatest category in the world. Um, yeah. I, ironically, me going to a racetrack is stopping me from doing the South Australian XL Enduro. There you go. I had a deal deal done with uh, SBR over here, the great Andrew Young. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, um, you know, pay the bills, which I'm not upset about. But, uh, yeah, one day.
4: Yeah, so you're off to a racetrack this weekend. Of course, week four of the supercars at Sydney. You'll be uh, working on the S5000s. Probably should review week three, though, first, before we start talking about week four. She was, it was a bit happening and a bit to digest throughout that entire weekend we got pretty much much of the same didn't we with the guys up front except a fantastic win for young will brown who probably could have had three wins under his belt had his pit crew not have messed him up a couple of times but he's got one anyway
0: yeah clearly the best race of the three that we've had at sydney motorsport park so far i don't think you get any argument with that with the various levels of storytelling unfolding around it. The Will Brown plot, obviously, one of them, as you mentioned, had that opportunity at Sydney Motorsport Park to win, was denied, had it again in week two, was denied, um, but was just outstanding throughout the course of the weekend. And to the full credit of Erebus, they nailed the pit stops. But then the, the, the plot continued to evolve beyond that. There was the DJR cars out of tyres in the third race and were anonymous for the first time in... In three weeks. Yeah. They were nowhere in that last race after dominating the weekend to that point. And um, Will Davison didn't even make the the top ten. And we'll talk more about poor old Wilbur in a couple of minutes. But uh, the the great plot of the triple eight into team Barney, which was fantastic. I think we all love it when those two cars crash into each other. And boy, did they have a red hot go at doing that.
4: Was that it theater was- or was it serious?
0: Uh oh no, it was serious. I think serious. it's serious. It's serious. It, the the whole, oh, they hate each other. Oh, this is going to boil over. I, I don't think, think that's probably serious. blown over because yeah. it was interesting in the back of shot when they were, um I think it was, they were chatting it's to Will, Will Brown, Will Brown. Yeah. You, you saw Jamie and Shane have a big hug yeah. as I was celebrating. So that they're okay. They'll, they'll debrief it. You got Dado saying, oh, I'm going to be sacked and rah, rah, rah. That, that's all a little bit of theater, but the, the stuff on track is dead serious. Jamie wants to smoke wing cup in the final few races. And while he's a shot at winning the championship, like he wants to have every opportunity to keep winning motor races and go out on an absolute high, which he's doing. This is the best retirement season. Anyone in supercars has ever had. I reckon because he's second in the championship only to his teammate, who is the most informed driver in the sport at the moment. And he's doing an outstanding job. He's won two races. He's been on the podium 10 times. It's, a huge season from Jamie's. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. And the storylines go on. But it was a terrific motor race, just the way it builds and all that drama at the end. It was, it was what we've been looking for for the last three weeks, I think.
1: Mm. I think uh, unpack the 888 stuff in a sec. First of all, Will Brown. There's a storyline there. Like, first of all, Richard, the last birthday party I had was uh, – in prompt you through by a publican from Toowoomba. So you can imagine <laughs> what the party in Toowoomba would have been like No, over, you know, like they celebrate uh, an inconsequential 38th birthday, or whatever it was in Toowoomba, that would have gone absolutely nuts when their biggest citizen went out there and smoked it. It's great for the sport, isn't it? Because yeah. that's, it's always the, the worry about the sport is who's going to be next. When Lance was still out there racing full time, when he retired, who was going to take over? It had to be Scott McLaughlin. He had personality. David Reynolds. He stepped up too. You know, he went and won Bathurst. He finally got some some runs on the board after showing all that promise for all those years. Now Reynolds is on the bench, and you got this other emerging big personality. He's great value. He's very likable. How can you not like Will Brown?
4: Well, Garth Tander just- even called him Craig Lounge 2.0 after the race. The, the smiling assassin 2.0. But
1: he just he just. He's always smiling, having a great time. You know, obviously, a few of those uh, pit stop blunders uh, sort of uh, put him on the back foot a couple of times there. But he's been scoring podiums. He's been in great form these last few weeks. And for him to actually be out there jamming results in the board, is, um, re- I think it's a great thing for the sport. How about Erebus? I mean, at the start of the year, they were nowhere. We Master all had student. them pitched nowhere. Yeah. And here they are. They're, they're up there. They're top three.
4: Yeah, you reckon the uh, the big break gave them an opportunity to sit back and actually have a look at where they were at and to to coin the phrase, had a good hard look at themselves and they've really turned it around from there, I think.
0: Yeah, but even before that, though, Shebeks, they were decent. They were probably mm. more yeah.
4: decent than they thought. Like you go through Will
0: Brown's results and, and both he and Brody had. Well, you, you know, my thoughts on that. Well, you called it an absolute disaster, which wasn't even close to the mark, I don't think. But uh, like Will Brown, 16, 14 at Mount Panorama, but Brody went 11, 12, which I reckon was way ahead of where we thought they'd be anyway, yep. just to be on the back end of the the top 10. Uh, you know, the second place at Sandown was rain assisted for sure, but it was a terrific drive and well earned. But he backed that up with 10th at Simmons Plains. And then Brody had a ninth, a fifth, and an 11th at the bend, which was probably the most complete weekend. That he'd put together, but of course, Will Brown at Simmons Plains had gone ninth and fifth in the first two races there, so the the, the signs were there. Um, and you know Hidden Valley they were strong. Townsville they were hot and cold. Like Will Brown went from eighteenth to fifth in the two two fifty k races, so uh, a little bit bipolar in terms of the results there. But you get that in two fifty k races every now and then. But yeah, look, since they've landed in Sydney, I mean, Will's gone fifth, eleventh, second. 11th six six three eight one in the last mm. three race yeah. the uh, last six races uh, and Brody's been slightly more inconsistent and his week two in Sydney was quite strange because it, it went 23 20 DNF so that was the blip on the radar I think but um, rebounded last weekend with fourth ninth and 11th which at the start of the season if you'd said oh Brody'll finish three races at around all three of them in or just outside the top 10 you'd go well that's awesome for a rookie season with a team that's had to completely retool over the offseason. Um, But they have been legitimate contenders for three weeks straight now. Every single weekend, they've been fast. The the trick for mine will be, can they back that up on the mountain? But you go back over the last couple of years, won in 2017, should have won in 2018. Like Their track record recently is pretty decent there in terms of car speed. So, you know, all of a sudden, the old Will Brown, Jack Perkins combination, that speed of Will Brown and Jack's yeah, you know, he's had more than 10 back the starts now. He's got heaps of experience up there. That's a decent combo. Did like, you a really did, decent combo.
1: Did you legitimately put cash money on that six months ago?
0: Uh No, no, I didn't.
1: Oh, a lot of talk. No, a lot no, of talk. No, there was. And, uh, and regrets but, too.
0: But it's on record as saying, I, I did definitely say it on this podcast, that they were my early season smokies when it was announced. Yeah. And isn't yeah, that going to pay off when they win it in two weeks' time?
4: <laughs> hey, Yeah. Uh, one team that hasn't seemed to improve at all in the last three weeks, Mark, is Tickford. Seems to be some troubles down at Campbell Field, especially when your uh, press release for the team comes out, praising your lead driver finishing seventh.
1: Not ideal, is it? Yeah, you know, no. they, haven't, they haven't figured it out. Obviously that first race with uh, JC being spun out at the first turn and then uh, LeBrock accidentally cleaning up waters and uh, the 19th, 20th, 21st and and it just, yeah, you know, they obviously found a bit more speed towards the end. Whether they just had some more tyres up their sleeve, I don't know. It was the same deal the previous weekend where they came a bit better in the final race when a lot of the guys were arguably out of tyres. You know, you look at DJR, they were doing those four tyre stops, which got Anton those first few wins. And, and that obviously burned them up. They had nothing left for the final race. So, I mean, you can say that they were inconsistent, but they just played all their cards in those first couple of races. Yeah, drama's there. I mean, it's not its not what we expect from them. They can turn it around. They've, they've... Well, not
4: for three weeks in a row. Yeah,
1: exactly. They've had the yeah. opportunity to figure it out, haven't they? It's yeah. not like anything's changed. This weekend's going to be interesting. Obviously, different format with the races, but uh, a weird one with the tyres because they're throwing one set of super softs at each of the races. How that's going to pan out, they're not going to get any practice, no qualifying, no use of these tyres at all. So they'll have absolutely no idea how they'll respond so that's going to be interesting you know whoever bolts them on first in that first race uh saturday is going to be a pioneer
0: so the tick things really interesting and the, the fall from grace is remarkable so cameron waters came into this sydney swing i don't think we'd say he was the informed driver in the championship but he was certainly was he was certainly driving better than i think everybody had seen him drive right so we talked about this after tail and Ben, that he'd finally grabbed the mantle as team leader. And, and it was the cam waters that we've all been expecting to find. And it probably wasn't until Bathurst last year that we went, ah, there it is. That's the, the most rival, the guy that can go punch for punch with Van Gisbergen yeah. that we've been wanting to see that the talent has been indicating that's in there, but it hasn't been delivered yet. And so much of it, of course, is the package you've got to drive. Um, did such a good job at tail and Ben was strong at hidden Valley. Townsville one was average eighth and sixth, the two fifty K races there, which won't fill them with confidence going into this weekend, but the way they bounced back was awesome. And won the weekend on points, uh, two wins and the 11th in the middle race was an outstanding result. And we're third in the championship. And we were looking at it going, can he get wing cup? Can mm. he, never going to beat Van Giesburg, And I don't think anyone thought that, but can Tickford beat, and split the triple eight cars because that's the tr- uh, the Tickford that we used to know from the full performance racing days when they yeah. would, would bash on and would be the next best or beating them with Mark Winterbottom championships. Um, Cam Waters is now fifth in the championship. He hasn't scored a podium since July. Um, but more than that, he is now only nine points in front of Anton Di Pasquale, who was the form driver in the championship and has won five of the last seven races, uh, eight races. So he's going to be sixth coming into Bathurst in the points, which is from third, potentially second. That is an enormous tumble down the
1: leaderboard. So in 20 races at Sydney Motorsport Park, Cam Waters has never led a lap and never finished better than sixth. Mm. But you think back to last year at the bend coming into Bathurst, he was a winner there and he had all that momentum behind him, rolled up to Bathurst and, Tickford were on fire they had great pace you wound up finishing second in the race what's going to happen this year I mean will Tickford be able to replicate their Bathurst form at Bathurst or are they carrying forward this momentum that they've had going nowhere from Sydney Motorsport Park it's not like Sydney Motorsport Park is the opposite end of the scale to Bathurst you know Mm -hmm. those those fastish corners sweeping flowing sort of stuff you think it's in the same but, sort of ballpark, don't but you? But then,
0: why was he so good at the bend? Exactly, they, they were
1: great at
0: the bend, mm. really fast. So, and James Courtney Courtney, went, Courtney had a good weekend at the bend as well. Like he went twelfth, four, four eighth at that event. So, which, in terms of fast corners, is more similar to Bathurst. Like, it turns seven, eight, nine, is without quite the amount of compression. Is like McPhillamy mm. Park spec yeah. speed. So, the Tickford cars were really handy there but like they've always been fast at Bathurst and like last year, almost won the thing two years ago. What was, was it two years ago? They ended up fenced in the, um, at the chase. You got the photo and You yeah. win the oh, yeah. award for that mark.
1: Yeah. Precious memories. Yeah, Correct.
0: So, but, but they, they were two cars in absolute contention to win the 2019 great race. So they've been fast there every year. Um, let's be honest. They're not going to get pole. Cause Anton De Pasquale is going to get pole at Bathurst. I think we all know that now, but, um, yeah, like they should be fast, but gee, and like he's got a good co-driver too, who should be really stout. But what Tickford do we get? That's the frustrating thing. If if you're a Tickford fan, we, I'd love to know what you're thinking. If, if you're a member of the Tickford squad, give us a call one three five <laughs> on the uh the on the grid open line.
4: But, but ser-
0: in all seriousness, though, hit us up because, Shabek, you've worked in football, yeah. Like th- this is a team that's been in the top four for the first 12 rounds of the regular season and then just dropped seven games in a row, right? And now they're struggling to stay in the eight and make the finals. And, and if that was a footy team, can you imagine the talkback lines on yeah. SEN or AA in Adelaide or even... No, you're the right. Moment, that, that they would, their members would be blowing up going, what
4: is going on with this team? We started so well, what is going on? And generally, generally you would only see a form reversal like that for two reasons. Mm. One, injuries have mm-hmm. crueled the team and your A graders and your top B graders are out. And all of a sudden you can't compete anymore. That's one reason. The other reason is, is that something's going on. There's, there's got to be some sort of disharmony is the word, but there, there's got to be some reason as to why this team has lost that form. Well, yeah. And, and hasn't been able to find it in three weeks at the same
0: track. You're never going to have yeah. a better opportunity to tune your car. Up. I, we, uh, we all know. And like the company of Mitch Robinson, who's the team PR at Tickford and your heart breaks for someone in that role. Cause that's a very, very difficult job. Um, and one of the funniest moments of the weekend was the Tickford tweet, which was just, Oh no, <laughs> I think it made the power rankings. Yep. It, it, like, seriously. <laughs> that just summed up their entire weekend. Yeah. Oh no. Which was when LeBrock fenced um, waters in. Yeah the first race on the weekend. So uh, that just sums up their last three rounds, doesn't it? Yeah, it does.
1: On the subject, if I know, that Triple Eight battle, what's your take? I, I don't know. See, Jamie Winkup, he's the greatest of all time. He's won Bathurst four times, won seven championships, and he, he wants to keep winning, and he's obviously still sharp. But it was his captain call there, and he's been he's made infamy out of His captain's calls at Bathurst 2014, Bathurst 2015 on the weekend, not listening to the bunker. The bunker said, hey, Shane's coming through with a rate of knots here. Tack onto the back of him and we'll finish one too. Jamie's gone, oh, no, I think I can win this. And he didn't let him through. It was a captain's call and it didn't pay off. They lost a win because Jamie made his own decision up. What's your take? I mean, but saying that, how many captains calls has he made over the years that have won him races? Well, we yeah.
0: 120 exactly one hundred and twenty-four races. Yeah. So, yeah, on a, on a percentage rate, he's he's batting like ninety-eight percent, isn't he? Really? Um, I don't have
4: a problem with it, uh, and genuine racing is fantastic, and we would love to see it, especially between teammates. As long as they don't take each other out, there was an opportunity there where Shane which is a little bit God, the grass was
1: and- good, wasn't it? <laughs> he got, he got <laughs> driven off track three times in no, one
4: mate. lap. <laughs> Magic. Uh, no, it was interesting. It, it was interesting. And I think if they had their time again, I reckon Jamie probably does exactly the same thing. I don't think he changes yeah, anything. Agreed with you. 100% agree with you. They, they would have gone to that debrief and Dado would have said, right, this is what just happened. And Jamie goes, yes, so what? If yeah. he's going to win, he's going to pass blokes, and if I'm one of those blokes, he's going to pass, and so be it.
0: And the but, other thing, Jamie would have dragged up the championship points table, and gone, "Look, he's three hundred and fifty odd points in front." Exactly. If he finishes second or third or wins the race, it's not going to change the game. He's still going to win the championship next weekend. But I've weekend.
4: got two, I've got two race weekends left. Yeah, let me have some fun. Yeah, I, that's I, what I, I said at the start was it more theatre than than serious? And I, I, no, I, I think it was serious.
0: Yeah, I hundred percent think it was serious. But I, I think it's such a different – it's a really different scenario to Bathurst and the whole fuel drama because oh, yeah. th- that was a solo call that cost them a race win. Yes, absolutely yes. it did. Um, but in the bigger picture, you know, it didn't really change much. Well, I, I don't know. I'm trying to – I'm not quite sure how to explain it. But it was, it was a single call that he made that – impacted that car the the whole thing on the weekend I think was a, it was a team thing but the the penalty for what happened for that battle was relatively small I suppose what I'm trying to say it didn't they didn't lose the Bathurst 1000 because Jamie tried to put Shane but, on the wrong side of the road so that's come- the thing and 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 Jamie's a smart enough racer Mark that he would know in the back of his mind that Shane had 300 points up his sleeve. If Shane was 20 points in front in the championship, different scenario. Correct. And it wasn't Jamie in second place, hundred percent. He would have let him sail through One
4: hundred percent, because
0: Jamie's team cap would have gone on and go, Oh, well, we've got to win yeah. this thing. Like, every point will count. But in, in the biggest storyline of the season, Shane's going to win the championship this weekend. Jamie's still going to be second. The fans got a great show. There were more Red Bull footage at the end of that race and not it as is. much of Will Brown. It was and it was a great it was a great for the sport moment,
2: I think.
1: I agree with you a hundred percent on all of that, but on but, that lap that <laughs> that Jamie drove him off the track three times, the first one over the top of the tunnel there, when Van Gisbergen's out in the dirt sideways comes spearing back on. That could have written off both cars. It was so close to writing off both cars, and the story, everything you just said, would be completely irrelevant. Like, mm. what, what would the look be there if both cars were wadded up and had to be sent back? Yeah, why, didn't, why
0: didn't Shane lift?
4: Well, and I agree with you there. Shane Shane gave as much as Jamie was giving. Mm. At no point did Shane hold back and say, "All right, all right, no problems." I, like I don't know could, where you're coming from here. It he could have. He bailed. gave it just as much. But that's that's not in his nature. No, so but exactly. and it
1: comes back. It's great that there's still egos out there, isn't it? Because mm. that's what it was all about. It's like, yeah. hey, I'm... and then Barry Ryan afterwards, uh, instead of talking about his guys, is like, how good were those Red Bull yeah. guys? Carving <laughs> each other up, which was brilliant. It,
0: it gave him the win. Hundred percent gave him the win. It was fantastic. No, I thought and it was great. You,
4: you know what though? I, and I love, and we spoke about this last week. I love the fact that the championship will be wrapped up this week, because what we saw from those two means that anything is up for grabs at Bathurst. Everything's on the line. There won't be a championship; it'll just be pure racing. Well, all right. So let let's just theorize a little bit here, and I don't
0: know how we would cope with the kind of stress that this might cause. But imagine it's the la- that is the last lap of the Bathurst 1000. Oh, so Garth boy. Garth's done his job. Craig's done his yep. job in eighty eight, uh, and it's Wink Cup v Van Gisbergen on the last lap of the race in Jamie's final full time drive. Oh. retirement tour Shane's wrapped the championship up he doesn't care he'll park the thing in the fence if he has to like if you're sitting in third place at the moment that'll be bloody will brown and Jack Perkins will be sitting in third and they'll, they're going to win another race because of triple eight that's what'll happen
4: <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen can I make the suggestion if it is getting anywhere like that towards the end of the race you tune your radio Onto ABC and listen <laughs> to Richard Crowell go off his dial.
0: Oh well, Shebex, I think the race is going to finish after six thirty. So uh, grand, oh. ABC grandstands off air at six thirty. So uh, as good as Karen Ty, the wonderful Karen Ty, has been in giving us lots of airtime in uh, over the last couple of weeks. I think we'll miss the finish of the race by about well, ten laps. And but...
4: stay tuned. Stay tuned to Fox Sports or Channel Seven because Skatey yeah. will be going off his absolute dial.
0: Yeah, I imagine the the Crompton rev limiter. That all you know, it's serious.
1: Uh, on that, Richard, how many times have you watched that national anthem side by side split screen on supercastcom this week? Because uh, I have, 50, and I've 50, cried. 12, yeah, I've cried a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been doing lots of uh, lots of vegetables this week. a healthy <laughs> diet, lots of onions in my house. Yeah, that was a lovely moment, wasn't yeah. it? And and full credit to Supercars, the whole family round thing, probably in the lead up. I don't know. The, the whole photo thing was a bit strange of the the dress up. I, I didn't get the family link to that. It wasn't 1970s Ron Burgundy round. It was family round, but they absolutely nailed it on the weekend with Sienna Crompton doing the, the anthem um, with Jess uh, Yates and Luke Egan's daughter, waving the green flag at the start of the formation lap, gave Barney from iRacing racing a run for his money there. i tell you what, she was outstanding. Um I thought that was really nicely done, and then Supercars rolling that split screen video on the Monday afterwards. Oh wow, that was great! And how's the the old pro just gets himself together and plays on with the Hino Hub afterwards? Just, yeah, that was um,
1: that was a difficult one. And actually, how about Jack Tunnecleef?
0: Yes, oh what a superstar! A <laughs> bit, of, bit of payback there from uh, years of uh, David, his father, who was on on the grid a couple of weeks ago, the senior producer at Supercars TV. Bit of payback there, I think, to Uncle Neil and Mark. Just uh hey Mark, why, why do you keep calling it the fastest corner in the sport?
1: What's a sheep station? What's a sheep station, Neil? I <laughs> love
0: it. It was very, very well done. Yeah, good stuff.
4: So what are we expecting from the two 250k races this week? Pretty much the same? In oh, well,
0: the, the 250k races tend to throw different stuff up, don't they? And and there's more options for different strategies and a bit of variation. Looks like it's going to rain. Yep, again. again. So I think eighty percent one day, ninety percent the next. That's going to be particularly interesting. Um, night racing, that, yeah, night racing Saturday night, which will be great. Um, you'd think a two hundred and fifty k race in the rain at night will be slightly less intense than what we saw a week ago. Will it though? Well, I don't know. No, I don't know. Um, but but if I go out on a limb, do you know what, with, with the car speed and strategy and things like that, I'm going to throw a big result the way of Nick Burkett this weekend uh, at BJR. I, he's just been so impressive over the last couple of events and only got the yeah. one podium out of it. He's been fourth on four occasions. Yeah. So nearly, nearly has come away with a lot of podium finishes from this swing. So um he's I been stalking. A, There's no yeah, doubt about that. I think a big result on the card there. And I'll tell you what, the other, the other smokies I'd throw out there for this weekend. Now they're starting to qualify. Well, team 18, team 18, are quietly impressive and have been for the last week. So you look at Scott Pye's last two events, he's gone ninth, fifth, 18th, not great. Six, 12, six, So that's pretty decent run of really solid top 10 results. But I I think they're always better in the races than they are in qualifying. So if they can qualify well, they're, they're going to be absolute threats for a podium. He and Mark Winterbottom over a 250k distance.
1: So, Sunday, 95% chance of 15 to 35 mil. Obviously, we're Mm. recording this Tuesday night. Normally, Wednesday morning, the the news comes through that something Mm. radically different is going to happen, so completely ignore that. We don't Uh, want
4: rain, though, do we? Because we want that super
1: soft to become a factor. No, well, it'll be a factor on Saturday. It'll turn out to be a non-factor. I'd prefer to see rain. I think that opens it up a whole lot more. My question, Will Davison, can he finally get a win? Hmm.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: my god well i want to say frustrating i
4: really want to say yes i just what's he got to do there's there's four cars i put ahead of him at least
0: yeah yeah i i I don't know what's going right there what what's going on at car 17 like it's is it a one car team running two cars it's hard to say because will's had a really good run of podium finishes this year and it's hard to say when you're leading a race um and you're in contention to win, but why was Anton so much better with four tires, four laps older mm. that that's the million dollar question for mine in race 27, the second race on the weekend that was absolutely baffling. And, and we'll was just gutted after that. So there's clearly more to the story that we haven't seen yet. Um, he needs a win massively. Yeah. Uh, it, it'd be such a good story if he can finally win. It, remember the last time he won was Bathurst 2016. Gee, I think it is. like 1,800 days ago plus. It's been a long time between drinks. He's still remarkably competitive, but it must be starting to grate that he hasn't quite got there, especially given he's three spots ahead of Anton in the championship. Um, but Anton's won five races in the last seven or eight. And,
1: and yeah. Anton's had Blotto on five races as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. imagine if he didn't have those DNFs and the yeah. disqualification, where he'd be.
4: Yep. Yep. And we get to I see hope he this- wins, Chebex. We get to see a full round of supports as well this weekend.
0: Yeah, the big story, S5000. So the Tasman series kicks off. And as it was in the late 1960s, there's an international affair, Shibeki, this weekend, which is cool. So um, Yoshi Kadayama, who's won the national class up in Japanese F3, will be coming down, which is great. Yep, And Roberto Mer- Mary is the one that I'm particularly interested to see race and had the fortune to chat and interview roberto at the ben motorsport park at the start of 2020 which was only 37 years ago um when he finished second in the asian le mans series event there which was a really good performance um lovely guy spaniard but spent a year in formula one with Mana marussia racing in 2015 so he's won the f3 euro series the fia formula 3 cup he's raced and won races in fia formula 2 he's currently racing lmp2 cars uh, in Europe. So he's a gun. He's a Can proper drive. professional, real great racing car driver. Yeah. I ran out of descriptive words there. Um, and he's driving with Team BRM, who are the best open wheel team in the business in Australia in, in Wings and Slicks Racing. So that's really exciting. It, it's kind of a cruel irony, though, boys, because the New South Wales uh, border restrictions are such that Roberto can come in from Spain as long as he's fully vaccinated. Yoshi can come in from Japan as long as he's fully vaccinated. Um, Volante Rosso Racing, who are, led, are based in Sydney, but are led out of Queensland by Josh Hunt, aren't running because Josh can't go back to Queensland afterwards, okay. which is strange. And yeah. there are two New Zealand drivers that would have been on the grid, but because of the New Zealand quarantine situation, haven't been able to run. So it's a really, it's a strange, strange planet when you can come from Spain to race, but you can't come from Queensland. So it's a strange one, but that's, that's the scenario we're in. And there's some international content, 50 grand up for grabs for the winner of the, the Tasman series, 12 cars on the grid, which is decent. Um, and they're all good cars. They're all going to be really competitive. So really looking forward to, to jumping behind the mic with that Chevex and the big banger Wings
1: and Slicks cars, which is going to be great fun. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. What else we got? We've got TCR. No Trans Am. Trans Am, sorry, that's right. Mm. That'll be interesting. Moth having a step up there, that'll be good.
0: Yep. Yeah, Baguana running as well. So there's some good surnames in that field. It's a great category, boys. Oh, that's a class. terrific class. Mm.
4: Yeah. Well, mm. we've said it. We've said it a couple of times. I don't know if we said it on the program. But we've definitely said it off air that if supercars ever didn't happen with supercars, and you just use Trans Am. As your main category, you'd get away with it. They're great cars.
0: Yeah, oh, they're, they're terrific. They do nines at Bathurst, um, and you could make them do sixes without any trouble whatsoever. But um, it's just really good raw, raw racing. And and I had the fortune to call a couple of races up there at Easter at the Bathurst Six Hour with Nathan Hearn and Aaron Seaton boxing on in every race, and it was just awesome. Yeah, really good racing.
1: Audi eighty sixes plus super two slash super three. Thirty one cast for super yeah, two slash yeah, three, career. which is good. Very good.
4: Excellent. Lots to look forward to this weekend. Uh before we go, quick thoughts on uh, the weekend's racing at Interlagos. Oh, oh it's, it's 14 He's points. Good, isn't Hamilton
1: that? bloke did he? Fourteen <laughs> points. They're boxing on again. It was I, good. Yeah. I swear this time last week you were there saying it was a Red Bull track. Red Bull's going to well, win and well, that's going to put
0: it out. Doubt. Well, where was Verstappen when Lewis passed him? He was leading oh, the race. so He was turning right.
1: Well, yeah, Cutting right him
0: off the road. It was great. <laughs> well done, Michael Massey, for letting them race. thought that was good. Great stuff. Uh, that just didn't inspire drive from Hamilton, wasn't it? You know, they, they copped the penalty for an engine change, so clearly had a bit of extra mumbo, which helped the cause, but like it was just in one of those moods where he's unbeatable and that's why he's one of the greatest of all time he produces drives like that it's extraordinary drive yeah. unbelievable drive and yeah.
1: he had a bit bit too much wing in qualifying as well
0: yep yeah. yeah well exactly right rebounded from that which was tremendous it's great world championship is phenomenal um overtaking opportunities at qatar look less than they are at, at uh, interlagos so that'll be an interesting one to see how that plays out for the brand-new track to Formula 1. And then Saudi Arabia, assuming they finished building the racetrack, that's another brand-new circuit. Um, I saw a lap from the Formula 1 game. Oh, I saw, it, oh I saw it on oh,
4: motorsport.com. I saw it. It looks
0: shocking, racetrack. Anyway, we'll see. It might turn out you to reckon? be a gem. Yeah, it looks awful. Fast, though. Eh? How many fifth- and 6th year corners do you need in a lap, Shebex? Yeah, I I, I you can't I, overtake on those corners. No, no, you can't. You're up as quick. Anyway, it was good. And uh, what about Remy
4: Gardner?
1: We, we, yes, we should talk about that. Mm. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What about Valentino Rossi? Yes, uh, congratulations. Man, for a career that's gone that long at the top tier of motorcycles, for him to walk away from it, I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, li- and literally walk away. He's still got all his limbs attached. Yeah. Yeah. Which is remarkable. Yeah, and I thought the send-off was very nicely done, as always, by MotoGP. So, yeah, Gardner wins, Rossi retires, Jack Miller.